1: That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you
0: there. It's Friday, February the 5th, and you're very welcome to the Inside Politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. The concept of a universal basic income paid to every citizen, regardless of their circumstances or their means, has been around for quite a long time, but it has moved from the fringe into the mainstream in recent years, driven by concerns over widening economic inequality and fears about the collapse of traditional models of employment due to automation and artificial intelligence. More recently, massive interventions by governments, including the Irish one, in income support subsidies during the COVID 19 pandemic along with a shift in establishment economic orthodoxy on what the limits should be on state fiscal policy, have added further impetus to this debate. The Green Party here has been a strong proponent of universal basic income, or UBI for short, for years, and a pilot UBI scheme was included in the programme for government it negotiated with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael last year. And since then, Culture Minister Catherine Martin has announced that this pilot scheme will be directed specifically at creative artists, and we're going to expect further detail on that in the next few months on what it's really going to mean. So what is UBI? Is it a good idea? And how would this proposed pilot work? To discuss all this, I am joined by Nasa Hurrigan, who's Green Party TD for Dublin Central, and she's also co-author of her party's policy on UBI. Also by Angela Dorgan, Angela's Managing Director and Founder of First Music Contact. She's also the chair of the steering group of the National Campaign for the Arts, and she was a member of the Arts and Culture Recovery Force which was established by Catherine Martin and made this recommendation on the UBI pilot. And finally, I'm joined by Ian Golden, Professor of Globalisation and Development at Oxford University, who has been critical of the overall concept of universal basic income. You're all very welcome, Nasa, given that you're the author of the current policy. Maybe you could make the case for it first.
2: Well, I'm one of the authors of, of the current policy. Obviously, our policy is, is made by membership, and, and they certainly contributed hugely to this. It's actually one of our founding policies in the party um, way back when, 30 years ago. Um, and it's something that we see kind of popping up across green parties in Europe and, and across the world. universal basic income in general operates as a standard payment to every individual that is resident in a state. And it's without reference to your means or your... Ability or availability for employment. Um, it does not increase or decrease as someone's income changes. Um, and under our system, it would be treated as an income for the purposes of cal- calculating tax. It would, um, we would, be very, you know, um, clear that it would have to be, it's not a magic bullet, and it has to be seen in the context of improvements in universal basic services and access to things like healthcare. and in particular in Ireland, because housing is such a, a big part of everybody's income, um, the provision of proper um, housing, and also um, the, you know, the provision of basic workers' rights. So we would put forth, you know, universal basic income as a way of tackling the 15 or so percent people in in this country who live in various levels of poverty as a way of recognizing the the caring community and um, particularly the the work that often is so so often done by women in this state and um, not necessarily recognized, Um, a way of recognizing volunteering and a general move towards understanding that as we move towards more automation, um, there will be and and uh, le- there will be less work and there will be more caring and that really we need an economy and a society that uh, recognizes that now at the moment we obviously have it in the program for government um and i have to say i'm very impressed with the arts industry i, I- i think whoever whoever decided to go for ubi was very savvy and they realized that they have a green party minister and and what could we what could we do what could we look at in the program for government and and what would they be interested in i think kudos to to whoever proposed that to the minister because i think it's very clever of them that um we would look we got a a pilot in the program for government and the proposal at the moment is that that pilot would be situated around Um, the arts industry. And and I think that that's a very interesting proposal. A pilot by its definition is not universal. um, But of course, you have to start somewhere. And uh, so, for example, one of the arguments would have been maybe we start in rural Ireland with small to medium farmers. But I think the arts industry is also a group of people who are contributing to society, who are making a meaningful impact in their communities, but who live on actually relatively low wages.
0: I want to get a little bit later to the overall concept of universal basic income. But before I ask Angela about the, the scheme as it applies to artists, can I push back at you and suggest that the universal part of universal basic income is a very important part of it, that the payment is made to everybody, regardless, as you say, of, of their means or their economic circumstances. So the idea of a pilot, and there have been a, a couple of pilots, I think one in Finland, one briefly in, in, in Quebec, um, if it just applies to one sector of society, in this instance, the, the arts community, but as you say, it could be farmers. It could have been carers instead of being somebody else. It's not a very effective pilot, is it? Because it doesn't really tell you how such a scheme would operate if it was rolled out across the whole of society. Would you not be better off taking a geographical unit, a small town or something like that, and applying it there over a period of time to see how it really works?
2: Yeah, I think actually that's a good argument. And it is a sticky wicket because you're trying to test something that's universal in a non-universal way. I suppose the thing is, look, social progress doesn't arrive as a complete wrapped gift with a bow on top. It's a collection of small offerings and we have to start somewhere. Actually, we have a great group in Ireland called Basic Income Ireland who, who talk about this all the time. And, and they were looking at like how you would do a pilot. And actually, personally, I favoured a location based one that was, you know, across all spheres of society. But I, I guess um, the reality is, is that artists also represent a huge you know, spectrum. Of experience, And so if it means that we get our pilot up and running, I'm prepared to, to, to row in behind the, the artist proposal, because I, I think it still does represent, you know, a, a real spectrum of experience. And of course, in Ireland, we all we already kind of recognize the value of universal income and universal supports because we have things like child allowance, which are, is not means tested. And the idea is to bring people up to a basic minimum standard of life.
0: So Angela, let me go to you. I mean, as I say, you were involved in the in the task force which made the recommendation to the minister. A couple of nuts and bolts questions. First, what would be the definition of an artist? Who would be eligible for this? And what effect would it have on their other income if they were to get this payment?
3: I think the eligibility... Um Question is something that needs to be dug into further, but there are precedents. So, um, you know, if if you're an artist member of Sip Two, for instance, the definition is more than fifty percent of your professional income is is f- for your artwork. Um, I, I'd go back to Ness's and and both and your um observations as to why arts as a pilot. While I agree that, um, you know, I I think a pilot is committed to. So I think we'll take what we have. Uh, universal basic income is something um, NTFA have been bringing to our pre budget submission for the last three years. And the task force that I was a part of that. Uh, um, Minister Martin put together really dug into it. And and what was really encouraging that is that there was right across that task force. um, It was something that all of us agreed on. That was the, the primary thing. The reason I think the arts works is the art sector is geographical. It's all of Ireland and um, the art sector has members at every strata of society. Arts workers have health and education uh, needs. Arts workers and artists have are more likely to be close and below the poverty line than any other sector, and that is true. In in you know through different theatre forum reports, other reports, the most recent EY report um, indicates that the art sector will suffer the worst of any sector coming out of COVID, um, and that there will be a, a constriction. Um, the recession in the art sector will hit at minus 555% whereas the the rest of society will be hit at minus 11. So um the definitions I think the great thing within the arts infrastructure is that there are membership organizations that already hold uh, their own definition so it'll be very easy I think to for the art sector as a whole to be able to um offer those systems up and I suppose then um In in terms of where pilots have worked, as you've referred to there, Hugh, in in other countries, the unique um, findings of a pilot in the art sector will also be that the art sector mostly finances itself. And most of the work that artists do, so, you know, a writer starts to earn income when his or her book or script or book of poetry sells a, a musician will will make some money from from playing live that's gone for at least two years now um but they will make the other money on an album all the prep work the writing the creativity and the putting together of those outputs is currently being done for free and and i think that the poverty level in in the general art sector um means okay. that they it, they have to not should be have to be a priority for a UBI pilot
0: Right. Ian, if I could bring you in on this specific point first before I, I know you have views on the, the whole broader concept of, of UBI, but what do you think of what's being proposed in Ireland?
1: I think the uh, ambition to provide basic income for artists, creative people is absolutely fantastic. Um, I I think it's a wonderful thing, um, not only for the reasons that uh, Angela's e- expressed, but also because art is particularly significant for societies. When you're trying to understand that it's not only material things, but creativity, uh, emotion, uh, empathy, which uh, are really required now at this time of the pandemic. So I think it's, it's, it's really an excellent initiative. Um, it builds on some initiatives which have happened in other countries uh, like France and Germany. And um, it's something which really should be adopted every everywhere. So I'm totally in support of it. Uh, what I have a reservation about is is calling it universal uh, because it's not universal. It's basic un- income uh, for artists. It's very specific. It's targeted at a particular group. Uh, and that's what I support. I support basic income um, because as soon as you make everything universal, those that are really in need uh, get less. If everyone in Ireland got this, uh, there'd be much less. Uh, for artists, or for the fifteen uh, percent of people, as Nessa has indicated, that are in desperate need in Ireland.
0: Yeah, Nessa, that's one of the key criticisms, isn't it, of of universal basic income that you'll end up giving money. And 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 just to be clear on this, we're talking about the equivalent of a living wage, somewhere at or somewhere above the the minimum wage being paid to people, regardless of whether they're 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 working or not, or what their means are. So you'd be paying that money to people who don't need it. Um, Uh, in many cases, even in terms of the artist pilot programme. But if it were to be rolled out um, more broadly, I mean, why should I get it, for example?
2: Well, I suppose that's the that's the the nob of universality in in general. It's the same arguments that we hear around, um, you know, universal healthcare, universal education. Why should the children of, of millionaires get free schooling when they can pay for it themselves? And and I think the recognition is is that universality has uh, inherent benefits of itself. It's you know a rising tide that carries all boats. I mean, the the problem with the the position that um, it will take money from l- lower end groups and and give it to everybody is it ignores um you know the tax mechanisms included in it which would see you know people on higher incomes um ha- have that money taxed back but it also it ignores the fact that we have a welfare system right now that hasn't solved poverty, that that hasn't, um, you know, dealt with child poverty and, and you know, levels of deprivation. And the reality is, I think, that, you know, this isn't actually, universal basic income isn't really for the people at the very lowest rung because those people should already be in the welfare system. Um, you know, this is for the people who are edged out by, by means testing and by brackets. It's for, you know, that woman who, who has to kind of um, you know take time out of her day from work to go help her mom and dad cook because they're getting very elderly. It's for the parent who who is desperately trying to keep their part-time work going while they have a child with additional needs. It's for the graduate who has to work every, you know, hour on a zero hour contract. Um, to, to make, you know, the rent, but, and so therefore can't, you know, go after their big business idea. It's for those groups that are, are striving, um, but who are edged out by the current um, system of means testing. And it's, it's about recognising that, um, that there are huge cohorts within society who at the moment we place no value on, but who do incredible work.
0: One of the fascinating things about this this idea, Ian, and one of the reasons why I find it very interesting and, and, and stimulating is if you follow it to its logical conclusion and all the way through, it, it, it envisages a very, very radical reimagining of the way we order the economics of the societies that we live in. Because essentially we live in a world which has been shaped in the wake of the Industrial Revolution, first by poor laws and later by a kind of a social welfare post-war state. And complex mechanisms of addressing issues of poverty and inequality, many of which don't work, and we could admit that, but they've become increasingly complex. And now, as we move into the 21st century with, as NASA says, perhaps contemplating a situation in which those kind of models of work are not available anymore, there's a kind of a, even beyond the economics, there's also almost a philosophical point here, isn't there, about decoupling income from work, getting away from the the Victorian notion of that? And I'm not sure what I think about that. What do you think about that?
1: I agree. And I agree with many of the premises that um, the Green Party and, and Ness have outlined and I've, I've read their paper and I think they're right. Automation's going to pose a major threat to work. Um, and our societies require, I believe, as a basic right, basic income for everyone. No one in our societies, in the wealthy societies, uh, of which I'd certainly include uh, Ireland, the OECD countries, um, should live in poverty, uh, I, what the question is how to achieve that uh, and how to ensure that everyone has a decent life. And the problem with universal is that you do end up giving uh, 80% of the resources to people that really don't need it. Uh, and that to me seems ethically wrong. It's also arithmetically Uh, just very, very complicated. I looked at the Green Party's proposal, and what you see in it, for example, is that social welfare replacements valued at about 7 billion euro are replaced. They're taken away. Child benefits uh, are taken away. Now, what we know is that means testing and dedicating things, although there are lots of imperfections and it needs to be improved, do Uh, direct resources to those most in need. I find it morally uh, reprehensible that I would give money to billionaires uh, or to millionaires. Uh, I know that one can claw it back, but the principle is, and I think it's different to universal health and education uh, for a number of reasons. One is we're not taking things away uh, when we give uh, that. Those systems are in place and many rich people, of course, buy out of them by buying private health or by buying private education. Um, So, uh, but if there were scarce resources, and if we didn't have enough money to educate everyone, I would say uh, that we should be taxing the rich more uh, and giving more to to those in need for education and other sources. So, you know, the OECD has done a lot of studies on this, and what they show is that basically universal policies uh, lead to growing inequality and growing poverty. And that's because you have less resource left Uh, for those in need. Just the arithmetic in Ireland, if you gave everyone uh, the living wage, uh, that would be much more than the total budget of Irish education, health and social services. Uh, So how would you do it? Where would the money come from for everything else uh, without sacrifice? Of course, one of the answers is you increase tax a lot, and I I think that's a good idea. Uh, Not least corporate tax, which is excessively low in, in Ireland. But um, that's still not going to uh, lead to more equal societies. You'd still be giving more uh, to the rich. So my view is we should focus on basic income, a decent life for all, uh, and that's where resources should be targeted.
0: Yeah, I suppose one one of the fascinating things about... The whole debate over universal basic income nasa is that it has supporters on both the the left of the political spectrum like yourself and on the i suppose the libertarian right particularly in in the united states and that's a a very different vision of its raison d'être and what it would produce. It aligns with other libertarian ideas, like a flat tax as opposed to a progressive taxation system, and lots of things which I'm 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 guessing that that you wouldn't like at all. But Ian does have a point there, doesn't he? When he says that, I mean, you mentioned child benefit. Child benefit is a long-standing Irish policy. But it's not necessarily best practice, is it, in terms of addressing inequality?
2: Well, insofar as it's too low, it's not. (laughs) Um, I I think that, that, you know, Ian has made some good points there, but we can't, mischaracterized our proposal as a flat rate of universal basic income. Our proposal um, includes recognition of, for example, you know, persons with disabilities, of carers and 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 um, uh, variable rates within that. I think what we do agree on is taxing the rich, and I, I, I think that that's something that's in our policy already, and we're proposing that you would, and what you said actually is, is exactly right Hugh, is that this would require a sea change in how we look at our economy and a and real realignment of, of taxation. And one of our proposals is um, to, you know, to look at things like site value tax, because we know that in Ireland um, so much of our, our wealth and our assets is in land and in, in housing and in homes. Um, so that's one of our proposals. And also to use things like um, the, the carbon tax, to um, to to do that realignment, um, I think you know one of the points that was touched on there is uh, that we all work together, and and it's kind of an idea of civil society. And I would say again that universality means that you know there's a a general improvement in people's lives, and and targeting um, and means testing um, services does just doesn't achieve that. I think. That idea that there's people on the left and the right who who like universal basic income, that is true. Uh, uh, but I think on the right, what they're suggesting is that there's a flat rate and then you remove all benefits. And we have never proposed that. What we propose is that universal basic in- income is one pillar in a raft of change that we need to see. We need proper universal basic health care. We need proper provision of housing. So universal basic services, coupled with improvements in workers' rights and an end to the gig economy. um, And then universal basic income would recognize that currently unrecognized caring and volunteer sector and and the idea that, you know, life is long and difficult and nobody should fall below a line where they're supported by the state. Um, so I, I think that you can characterize it as something that it's not, which is that you're going to... Um, gift billionaires money. But I think what we've seen when we look at healthcare and, and education is that if you follow that through to its conclusion, that you do see people buying out of the system and that privatisation really impoverishes um, public services. And, and you know, that has to be entered into the conversation too.
0: Angela, you've been sitting there very quietly. I did want to ask you something and this is a question which I'm partly asking because I know there'll be somebody listening to this podcast who will be shouting at their headphones or their speaker or whatever it is, and they'll be wanting me to ask this question, so I'm going to ask it. Um, If I get UBI and I decide that that is sufficient to my means and I spend the rest of my life sitting at home, smoking weed and playing PlayStation, and somebody else is going to work every day, why the hell should they pay for me to do that?
3: Well, I am um, first of all, I would not be able to identify anyone I know in the arts in in that uh, suggestion, and 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 I really, know not you're one. making it facetiously, but actually it's worth saying. And I think what a pilot will do is what a pilot does for any industry. It will take the 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 conversation that we've been having and Ian's um observations and and Ness and the Green Party's work in this. It will allow us to actually bring into reality some of the questions we have. And um, what are now we're now theorising, we're thinking, well, what ifs? And I think a pilot will allow us to really put um, our hands on something. Um, and I think to just take the scariness and, and the accusation of the person who might be shouting at the podcast and why you and why us and and sure. Um, I think we have a welfare system and people will always think the worst of those in the lower welfare system. And I, I am of the belief that you can't make any judgment on anybody's situation unless you're in it. Um, and and I would think the same for this. But just to take it out of, oh, my God, this sounds like it might cost ages. Um, we, at the task force, we broke this down into a cost analysis. And if you look at for the quarter two of 2020, um, and you had the average weekly paid hours was 31.9, and UBI, a national minimum wage, was 10.20 an hour for 31.9 hours. So that's about 3.25. If you look then at the amount of people who were on PUP, the three levels of PUP, um, and you looked at what they, what people who were on PUP in many industries, but I'll just talk about the arts industries here, and you look at, um, we, we can assume a blended income, so that they were getting, the the arts were getting, people who work in the arts, artists, arts workers, events workers, were on average coming out in the around the 263 mark. And then if you bring that up to the national minimum wage, you're talking about a per annum rise on top of what people are already getting supported to, to do. You're talking about 3,200 a year that UBI, a, a, a basic income pilot, would cost... For the arts. For how many people? So that's on a per person, 3,243. So a seven, you know, a a 10,000 for that would cost the state an extra 3.2 million. 10,000 pilot would cost 32 million. And we would call for the pilot to be uh, three years. If you think then on what that will yield in terms of people, as NASA says, not having to take up other work or not it having to buy into their um, their other responsibilities. And, and also, you know, artists are carers too. And they are mothers and fathers too. You know, we're not, it's not that they exist in a bubble on their own. They are citizens of the country. So you take a pilot of 10,000 uh, people working in the arts, over three years would be thirty-two million a year, and then you think of the cost of, um, you know, a sector, a section, a whole area of of wherever this lands in. So say it lands in the Department of Social Welfare, and you look at none of those ten thousand then needs to be mean tested or. Um, you know, need to be in any other systems for those three years. So you look at that cost immediately coming out, and then you look at what the arts generate in terms of income. And I would say to I'm with Ian, and you know that the arts is far more important than the economic benefit. But you, what has shown in other um uh, jurisdictions where this certainly in France where there is already a version of this for artists, is the productivity and income goes up every. Everybody will be taxed immediately on every cent and euro after the basic income allowance. So it's not like you're given money, you sit at home and do nothing. You're a professional artist. So you we have artists producing off their own bat and in poverty. So they're not going to suddenly not create art. Uh, because there is a basic income, they will do more. And then look at artists as educators. Artists and the art sector have blended income. So they have mix of employment types. They do some, you know, broken PAY employment. Any monies they do make then will be immediately taxed. So I kind of wanted to bring it down there that a pilot will show how this works in essence. And I will finally say that the benefit to Ireland as a nation who has taken a step up and become a member of the UN and will need to be a leader in Europe now, uh, given that our next door neighbours are pulling out. What it will say about us as a country in leading the leap forward and actually doing a pilot that means something will lead in terms of the conversations already happening in Europe about how the arts and entertainment sector are more important than ever, but they also are being most badly supported um, it is certainly in Ireland. So it would say so much more about us as a nation, I think.
0: Well, as you know, I'm not in, unsympathetic to those arguments, which is partly why I'm the arts editor in the, in, in the Irish Times. But, but, but I would push back on uh, or ask about two points. One is you're basing that on pandemic unemployment payment. Pandemic unemployment payment is an emergency uh, payment which is costing the state additional billions of euro in this moment of crisis. So I'm not sure that that extrapolation will convince so anybody for that, the next two or three yeah. years that we would well, continue with something on top as of that. It's a
3: high end because it's the most the art sector has ever been supported through the social welfare system. Um, so actually, the reality out of pandemic is artists aren't as well supported and don't qualify because of means testing and the time of your life cycle of a book or a life cycle of an album or a life cycle of no, a play. No, I, I absolutely yeah. take
0: the point of that. And I know many people personally myself who, who, who are affected by that. But the other point the, point, the other question I would ask is if artists are to get this payment, does that mean that they must forego the uh, tax-free status which artists have in Ireland?
3: Uh, it would depend on whether tax, um, tax exemption. So tax exemption, you'd have to be earning um, 40 plus uh, for are under sorry there are different ceilings so it would depend and that would be something to be discovered I think through the pilot whether or not artist exemption I suppose to say there that artist exemption is something that very few in arts artists and art sectors would qualify for um, in terms of output and again that would come in the life cycle and it would only be to one area. So, for instance, if you're a musician, a touring band, a touring musician, and you don't get artist exemption on your ticket sales and you don't get artist exemption on all your album sales, you only get it on the publishing income. Um, So that, though, taxations and tax-free allowances are very specific to specific areas. So you would still continue to pay tax over the basic income rate on other income that you made as an artist.
0: Absolutely. Right? And I presume the definition of artist is much broader than it is, both in relation to the tax system and to organisations yes. like Ace Donna. We're talking about a broader category than just what are defined as creative artists. We're Absolutely. talking about actors and performers and, 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 exactly. and all the rest of that as well. Ian, maybe I could turn to the to, to the broader question. I mean, I I personally take your point about the shortcomings of giving money to everybody, but isn't there an underlying fact, which is that the the social welfare systems and the, the complicated forms of social transfers which have developed over the decades, particularly in, in advanced Western societies, are not proving equal to the task and to the ways in which those societies are changing now. And that maybe we do need to think in a more radical way about you know decoupling income from, from work,
1: for example. I think it is the case that um, these systems need to be improved. I'm hopeful that um, with you know the new digital means uh, it's going to get become much more efficient. We People won't have to stand in long lines and go to job centres and do all these things that they had to do in the past and fill in tons of forms. Uh, it'll be much easier, I think, to make these systems work. And there are many examples, including uh, in Northern Europe, in Scandinavian countries, uh, where these things work effectively. So I think to to sort of characterize the system as broken uh, is to look at the countries in which it's broken rather than the system. And um, we can improve welfare and we can certainly, through the tax system and redistribution, uh, create systems which ensure that there's no one in poverty in our countries. I think the bigger issue which you point to, uh, which I would absolutely support, is we need to rethink the future of work and uh, the way that our societies have developed and capitalism has developed, where you somehow get rewarded, uh, meritocracy. Uh, has been shown, I think, to be a very, very uh, bad system in terms of rewarding those that necessarily don't need to be rewarded. It, whether it's CEOs of companies or, or whatever. We see this huge inequalities and in wage differentials. Uh, what is regarded as essential work has been exposed dramatically uh, by this. Why do we give nurses, why do we clap hands for them but not give them more pay or firefighters or the people that collect our rubbish? Um, So those questions, and then much more deeply, uh, as we move to a world of automation, we need to rethink the future of work. People that work at home uh, doing care work, uh, musicians, people who are doing many things which are not paid for at the moment need to be properly paid. So I think that requires a radical rethinking of what work is how we get paid including for many things which aren't paid now and a much more equal pay distribution but that's different uh, to saying that we shouldn't have societies where we have a social welfare system and a very strong safety net uh, which helps those in needs what's been shown and denmark's a very good example of that is that the stronger the safety net the more people are productive and the more they are able to move and change jobs. And that's what we need. We need more flexibility in our societies, people to move to places, to new jobs, to reskill, to retrain, because the pace of change is accelerating and where the jobs is, are is changing. But that only comes from knowing that if you make that risky move, you're not going to fall through the cracks. And so there are many, many reasons why we need strong safety nets, strong social welfare systems. Um, And they are radical reforms, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a social welfare system. It means we need to fix it. uh, And universal doesn't do that because universal means we have a very thin and tattered uh, system uh, at a very low level, uh, which by trying to give money to everyone doesn't give to those in need.
0: Nasa, can I ask you, Ireland has a a very particular, arguably peculiar sort of an economic model. And the the data, by comparison with, with other European countries, for example, shows that by the Gini coefficient, which measures levels of inequality. We have very high levels of inequality before taxes and social transfers kick in. And after those, we arrive at a kind of, we're kind of middle of the pack. So in other words, social transfers and taxation already do a lot of heavy lifting in Ireland, arguably not enough. But what they're doing is they're compensating for a society which under the surface is, or maybe on the surface is, is by international comparisons, quite unequal if you start tinkering around with that or making, you know, serious surgical changes to that can we be sure what the effect will be on the overall economy and indeed on levels of inequality
2: we can never be sure but i suppose the question is are we happy with with the status quo and and i would say that we're not that if we if we look at you know things like income inequality if we look at the gender pay gap if we look at the position of women in society i mean we mentioned meritocracy there i can tell you as a woman in politics meritocracy is a bit of a fib um so i, I think that ultimately we're not happy with the status quo there is levels of poverty in this country that are too high um there are you know high levels of homelessness um there is a difficulty in terms of like social um, progress for children in in lower income brackets. I think that to be fearful of trying something new or in any, and you know, this isn't, this is a pilot, isn't a kind of a a major sea change. It's a tentative look at uh, an alternative. What you're saying is you're, you're, you're relegating people to to stay in the situation that they're in. and, And I don't think that we should I think that we're going to face some very serious challenges into the future, and you know, groups like the SRI and the PBO have, have stayed over and over again, and are, are often not heard that demographics in this country is going to be, you know, our one of our big financial challenges. We were always in the Green Party going on about climate changes as, as one of the big financial channel challenges, but the change in demographics as we live longer is also going to be that, and and moving towards a society that, for for if nothing else, recognizes. You know serious levels of, of caring required um would be useful um I, I think to try nothing is and to accept the status quo is not acceptable and universal basic income I, I don't accept that it's a thin set system I, I consider it and I consider universality in general to be a generous system and I think one of the problems that you see in this country with housing is the total repudiation of the idea that everybody has the right to a home and how 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 broken a system that is so I I I think we we recognise universality in education. We recognise it in healthcare. We should recognise it in income. And and, and that's what it comes down to.
0: But just to follow up and to take Ian's point and apply it in a specifically Irish context. We know we have this these massive problems with housing. We know we have these huge challenges in health. We have major challenges in, in educational inequality and we have a massive environmental challenge ahead of us, which is going to require great investment. Is it really a good idea to take an eye off the ball with all those things and focus on something like this?
2: Well, the, that, that position says let's focus on housing and not on poverty. Let's focus on retrofit and not on poverty. Let's focus on healthcare and not on poverty. I think we have to move things in parallel and um, progress all of those issues together. I I don't think we can target one and not the other. I think, you know, we're back to that issue of universality again, that um, we're we're going to focus on one particular group or one particular area to the detriment of others. And, And I don't think that that's the way, you know, a society progresses and develops.
0: Finally, Angela, what's your understanding in relation to your, your position on, on the task force? What are you hearing about uh, a time frame for when this pilot, when we might see it?
3: I don't know is the short answer to that. I know conversations. I know um, that our minister has been pushing this forward um, and that she has been very vocal And it, this week, as recently as this week in the Doyle. Um, we asked for it in december and um, because we wanted to to in the task force and um, give some kind of indication of how how vital it is to the sector i would love to see it in in the immediate future uh, we have a a, a meeting with the minister shortly just about that timeline I, I would be encouraged though by um the reception that it's getting as a pilot and certainly when we were preparing over the last 3 years actually about the arts being a perfect pilot for um with all the parties it did receive um and I'm not sure what NASA's experience is um in in negotiations the fact that that the green party were able to get it into a program for government I think is really encouraging um and we are are determined really to to just keep our, our foot on that particular pedal because as NASA says, if we don't try this and trial it, we're not we're going I I would be devastated if we were sitting in the same position in six months time and a pilot hadn't been engaged in. And, and we didn't at least try and collect data because e- even if the arts were the pilot, there are industries so like the arts that it could be immediately transposed to as well. So like fisheries, small farmers, uh, large swathes of, of the tourism sector, small businesses in the tourism and social enterprise sectors. Immediately, there are, there are other sectors in society where this would be, Um, a beneficial pilot and and really robust set of data to have. So we would call to all government parties for this to be um, a pilot that that gets engaged with way sooner rather than later.
0: And in fact, a very final word, if you wouldn't mind, from from you, And I've already heard your reservations both about the overall concept and about whether this... Actual pilot is really UBI at all, but do you think there is anything about universal benefits um, that we can learn from this particular pilot, even if it's not perfect? Because we will be, it'll be an experiment in behavioural psychology, if nothing else,
1: I suppose. Yeah, I think it's a great thing to be doing and to be piloting, and we'll learn many things, and it should be extended, as Angela said, to others. Uh, But. The idea of universal should be that everyone in our societies has a decent life. No one lives in poverty. That's the universal point. It's not that we give money to everyone to achieve that. Those that are already living a decent life shouldn't be given more. Those in need should get. So I think our universal commitment should be to the rights of everyone to a decent life, to housing, to not live in poverty. To achieve that, We need to ensure that we dedicate our resources to those that don't have rather than to give it to those that already have.
0: We'll leave it there for today, but I suspect we will be returning to this subject. But thanks very much indeed to Ian, to Nasa and to Angela and to our producer Jennifer Ryan and our engineer JJ Vernon. If you would like to get in touch with this podcast, you can mail us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com. But until the next time, thanks very much indeed for listening.